You're listening to Work in Progress. I'm Ramona Schindelheim, Editor-in-Chief of Working Nation. Work in Progress explores the rapidly changing workplace through conversations with innovators, educators, and decision-makers, people with solutions to today's workforce challenges. Recently, I attended the Aspen Latino Business Summit in Washington, D.C., where I met a variety of experts in economic development, business ownership, and policy to get an idea of how the next generation of Latino entrepreneurs can increase economic opportunities for all. This series for Working Nation features interviews with those leaders. This week's guest is Henry Cisneros. You may know him as the former mayor of San Antonio and the U.S. Secretary of Housing and Urban Development under President Bill Clinton. Now he's the chairman of the investment firm American Triple-I and chairman of San Antonio's entry into the Aspen City Lab program. We talked about how Latino communities throughout the country can be the drivers of economic growth. He started out telling me what he's doing through City Lab. Well, the way it started was Dominica Lynch, who heads the Latinos in Society initiative at Aspen, was trying to find the place where she could intervene and put Aspen in the best position to move the Latino community forward using its traditional vehicles of convening and leveraging and networking. And she hit upon this idea of picking six Latino-oriented cities, that is to say large and robust populations, and particularly large and robust small business sectors, to test ideas about how interventions with Latino small business could actually move the needle in economic development. She picked Miami, Chicago, San Antonio, El Paso, Phoenix, and San Bernardino. I volunteered to, as a former mayor, head the uh, San Antonio committee, and it's been exceedingly successful. We have eight initiatives underway in areas from outreach to small business, investment in economic corridors, upskilling of the workforce, changing the narrative of the Latino community, the principal core of the Latino community. It's called the West Side of San Antonio, focusing on community development, housing, and protection of the neighborhood, etc. So that's what we're about. That's what it means. And, and in short, in one sentence, it's an effort to create economic momentum in the west side of San Antonio, a marginalized, disadvantaged neighborhood, and do it in a way that helps the people, not hurts the people who are presently there. I just did a story recently about Texas and clean energy and the whole revolution there. And uh, the woman I spoke to in Houston said, we want to be the clean energy transition capital of the world. Well, Houston has the capacity to do that. It, of course, is frequently mentioned as the energy capital of the world, but that has been in the era of fossil fuels. And I think they're very smart to jump ahead of the curve and look at renewables and futuristic energy fuels and techniques and and materials uh, to stay ahead as the leader of energy and not be bypassed, as has happened in the past, when a city is the hub of something and then that economic sector shifts. So Houston's doing a good job. San Antonio and Austin, I'm proud to say, are two cities with municipally owned 
power companies that are very substantially committed to wind and solar. I think some of the largest percentages of wind and solar in the country are the Austin and San Antonio systems. Yeah, I just spoke to, for that article, Mike Ramsey, who was the who's the head of the ready to work in San Antonio. Absolutely. And so he and the mayor and what you're doing there is really great because it is part of what you have described as the next economy. I think so. I think I think that um, we at least understand the shape of the future economy. Austin, certainly on that score, is ahead of San Antonio and almost everywhere else because of their strong commitment to technology companies, startups, investment in them, and companies now coming to Austin. Everybody who's anybody in the, in the sort of the tech lingo is there. Google, Amazon, Tesla, Dell is there and bringing more resources because they have access to the research capabilities and manpower resource that is the University of Texas at Austin. San Antonio, a different slice of the future, heavy on biosciences, heavy on cybersecurity, heavy on the next generation of automotive technologies. Tesla has a a presence, but more importantly, due to scale, Toyota manufactures 240,000 Tundras and Sequoias in San Antonio every year. And the company that was International Harvester making trucks is now called Navistar, and they're in San Antonio. So it's this amazing, phenomenal development of massive technology descending on Central Texas. So your investment, so now in this private investment that you're doing in infrastructure, that is another very, very big part of the economy that we have now and it's just growing absolutely um the company that i chair american triple i focuses on a series of uh, investment targets in the transportation field in the energy field in what's called social infrastructure which means schools higher education hospitals uh, and also in digital our greatest success has been raising capital for jfk airport Terminal 6, the new Terminal 6 at JFK, which is principally JetBlue, but will have international airlines. And we raised uh, $400 million uh, of a total $1.3 billion equity private investment piece to do a public-private partnership at JFK Airport. So that's what we do, is invest in those targets that I mentioned Sometimes in public-private partnerships of large scale, like JFK, and in other cases, buying portfolio companies, but in these fields of emerging infrastructure. And we're here at the Latino, Aspen Latino Business Summit, Mm -hmm. talking about the opportunities for the Latino workforce, the Latino business owners, and the community. But they have been locked out of a lot of these opportunities. How can we unlock that? Well, you, you phrase that in a very, uh, I think, appropriate way. We know that Latinos have been locked out of the economy and um, are characterized by smaller businesses. Most of Latinos are employed in one-person businesses. But this is a point of inflection for the entire American economy. And 
it suggests that if you've been locked out before, you don't have to be locked out in the new economy. So I think it's very foresighted of Aspen to create a conference focusing on the next economy, the new economy. And Latinos can be a, an important part of that. We're younger than the national average, a whole lot of young people getting trained in good schools. There's no reason why we can't have a inordinately larger role than we've ever had before in the American economy as it transitions. In my field of infrastructure, I can tell you we're at a point of inflection where the next generation of infrastructure is not going to be the same. It's not going to be just wider roadways. It's going to be roadways with technology embedded in them to guide traffic. It's not just going to be fossil fuel generating plants in power, but it's going to be solar and wind and hydrogen and, and a lot of other new fuels. Uh, it's not going to be just traditional communications, but it's going to be broadband uh, into the, the neighborhoods that have been left out to this point. Uh, it's not going to be just traditional airports, but fantastically different airports with uh, space for vertical takeoff and landing aircraft with uh, different passenger experiences. So everything about the country is changing. It's one of those moments when if you can dream, if you can imagine, if you can train yourself for the future, then you can play in the new economy. That's where some of the challenges come in, too, because I just published a story today that I wrote about how there was a survey, 50, I think it was 52% of the Latino community, they have no or little digital skills, mm -hmm. and there's access to you know, broadband, access to devices. Yeah. So there feels that there needs to be a concerted effort like for communities mm -hmm. and government and nonprofit and corporations to all get together. There clearly does need to be a concerted effort. And, and, and you're right. I mean, it would be just a terrible thing to have this moment of transition to new fields where we're not locked out, but for lack of training, for lack of skills, for lack of preparation, for lack of knowledge, be left out again. It's absolutely critical that the community be able to make that transition. Did you say some of your investment is in some of that workforce development? Not directly, but yes. Because, for example, when we did JFK, that is really important to the local community in Queens, uh, New York. So we've had to really create a special capacity to focus on workforce training, workforce recruitment, education in the local schools, awareness in the community, all of those things that allow people to take advantage of the fact that there's going to be $4 billion spent on one terminal at JFK Airport. There's an immediately adjacent community called Jamaica in Queens. And I mean, if we don't make that integration, if we don't bring people into the better jobs, if we don't create the new incomes for families, we've simply missed out on a fundamental purpose for why those investments were made. It feels like corporations and the government, they're making a better effort because that whole infrastructure has a supply chain. So they're making a better effort to increase underrepresented groups in those contracts. Well, I'd like to think that companies are working hard at it, and I think the best of them are. I'm very impressed with the efforts of people like, for example, Bank of America, like uh, J.P. Morgan in the financial sector but then many other construction companies and others. And part of it is just a, a fundamental practical reality. If you don't hire from the population that exists, who are you going to hire from, right? So you have to recruit and you have to train. 
and you have to do it in a serious way, or you don't have a workforce that's capable. And that's a real challenge for the country. I, I do think that some of the best companies are doing that, but I would also say right now we have in America this really self-destructive moment when people are saying uh, retrench on affirmative action and retrench on attention to diversity and equity uh, concerns when at this very moment the future of the country and its economy depends upon integrating those populations. I mean, that's a direct correlation there, which we somehow seem to be letting our prejudices get ahead of us when it will be self-damaging over the long run. It doesn't make a lot of sense. What is your own experience growing up and your kind of economic, I'm going to say your experience yeah. just in the economy? I have, I'm a fortunate human being, and I should thank the Lord every day and, and, and for, for giving me a, a place to grow up in a neighborhood and with a family that was very much uh, motivated, driven to education, committed to hard work for a lifetime, and so those have been the values that have been my values, and I believe they're the values of a large part of the American Latino community, let me say. I lived in a neighborhood which was something of a cocoon because it was all Latinos, many of them veterans from World War II raising their families in the way they had experienced military service and the war. And so it was all about work and it was all about community. And I never knew discrimination because inside that cocoon there was not discrimination it was just patriotism and hard work and i think it's true in a lot of latino communities but i obviously graduated to the larger world i was able to get a education at a state university and go on to some of the best schools in the country have a doctorate uh, in public administration but i saw with my own eyes the intransigence of segregation and prejudice and worked hard as a city council member and as a mayor to change the narrative in San Antonio, change the narrative to a more inclusive city, a city where our goals were economic development and growth, but a growth that could be harnessed to work for people who had been marginalized before and focus equally on training and education and inclusion. That, in my view, is the American idea. I, I served as a cabinet member with President Clinton, and I discussed with him personally many times. It resonated with him, which is why he brought me into his cabinet. But the point is, I always said we have to hit with two fists. One fist is the practical things that we need to do to grow the economy. They're pretty traditional and practical. The other is we need to create the pathways and the education and the training and the motivations to make this a, a, a two-fisted fight. And I haven't changed my view of, it may sound simplistic, but I haven't changed my view in 40 years. And as the population continues to increase, It becomes more important. Much more important. I mean, can you imagine the logic that says, take your largest population, leave it uneducated and marginalized, and expect the future to be better? Hey, what's wrong with this picture? That's just crazy logic. This is an economic issue for the entire country. So. Absolutely. It's, it has to, it's everything about the American future. I'm an American first. I love this country. And as I try to work for its best interests, I see the education, 
and training and integration of minority populations as essential to the American future. Thank you very much for your time. Absolutely. That was my interview with Henry Cisneros at the Aspen Latino Business Summit in Washington, D.C. I'm Ramona Schindelheim, Editor-in-Chief of Working Nation. Thank you for listening.